This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Kalo, makers of the silicone wedding ring. The Kalo silicone ring is the functional wedding ring for an active lifestyle. Kalo is proud to partner with No Meat Athlete and with every one of you who is pursuing your commitment to both your partner and your active lifestyle. In all your training and anywhere else your lifestyle takes you, Kalo makes it possible for you to never go without your wedding ring again. And speaking of weddings and partners, it is my pleasure to do an episode with my lovely wife, Erin, today. Erin, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Doug is, I guess, not on vacation, but he's out of town. So it's just me and Erin today, which is a first for the podcast, sharing a mic, which is fun since Doug took his mic with him. Um, but I think this is a good episode because our topic is weight loss, pretty much. And we haven't really ever addressed that on No Meat Athlete at all. No, on No Meat Athlete at all. Mainly because I've never had any kind of weight. Well, I have had weight problems, but I would say those problems are that I can't keep the weight on. That's That's been the, my struggle in the past. To call it a problem is probably not accurate, but uh, a frustration. Anyway, um, that's actually become less of a problem recently, which is which is nice. And for you, even though we're eating somewhat similarly in that both gave up oil recently, uh, you've lost 18 pounds since, our, since we went on the cruise. I sure have. Yeah, which is amazing. Thank you. And uh, that's been, what, the cruise was at the end of... Mar- I think it started around the end of March. The end cruise March. ended okay. in the 20s of March or so. So I probably started shortly after that. So two and a half months, maybe 10 weeks or so. Uh, and, and really, you lost those those 18 pounds within the first, what, six weeks maybe? Yeah, four to six weeks, definitely. I think that's when it really was coming off pretty fast. Good. So let's, I guess what we'll do is kind of break down how that happened, uh, the specifics of what you've been doing. Because I think likely there are people here who, who do want to lose weight. And uh, while we're not doctors or weight loss specialists or anything like that, uh, I think you have been really effective at this. And I think just sharing your experience um, might be helpful to some people. And you, we can share some resources and things like that. So if people want to go further with it, uh, they don't have to stop here. They can actually go look at some of the stuff that, that influenced you. So first and foremost there, um, we can we can get into the backstory in a minute. I think we should do that, um, just of, of your kind of history with this. But really, the, the impetus for all of it, for both of our dietary changes, was the vegan cruise that we went on, the Holistic, Hol- Holistic Holiday at Sea Cruise back in March. Um, and we went to a lot of talks there, did a bunch of fun cruise stuff as well. But listened to really talk after talk from doctors, um, Gregor, Esselstyn, Campbell, Dr. Bernard, and Chef AJ, who's not a doctor, but is sort of a weight loss specialist, uh, all of them talking about giving up oil and uh, the the whole food plant based diet, as it's called. And uh, that was that was one of the big the big I guess the catalyst for this to all begin. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think um, being on the cruise and just being inspired by all the doctors and the research that they have um, done that really kind of hit home for the first time for me that I could do something to make a good change in my life. Right. And and you actually did set a goal on that on that trip, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> do, do you am want to I, share what that is? Tell every... I mean, it's okay. up to you. Well, I basically said, um, knowing that I have had now two children and, you know, I've kind of went into a, wearing more of a tankini type bathing suit that I decided on this cruise that next year by next summer I really wanted to rock 
a bikini again. And you said on the cruise next year, right? I did say on the cruise, yes. Yes, more so, specifically. <laughs> so if anyone wants to see Aaron in a bikini, that's, that's <laughs> no. what you got to do is come on the cruise next year. Uh, we will both be back there. I'll be speaking this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm joking about it, but that was your goal. And I think, I think it was, uh, that's a big part of change. We talk about goals all the time and actually drawing a line that said, when we get off this boat, like, here's what we're going to do. And, and the, the goal is this next year. I didn't actually set one like that, but I was certainly energized and inspired by the whole thing to get back into marathon training. And like I said before, um, get the oil out of our diet just to see how it would go without, without saying like, yes, I'm definitely all in for this oil free thing. Um, or totally convinced, but just like, let's actually give this a, a good try and see what happens. And so far it's been really good. So you mentioned really quick, Aaron, uh, you're having the kids and, and the history or the background. So let's just quickly give the background. Uh, I mean, you were, before we had Holden, you were kind of at your skinnies, right? Our, oh he yeah. Was, he's our five-year-old now, but we have some pictures of then when you were in like your, your, uh, what, what kind of pictures are they called? Where were you showing the progression of the pregnancy? Oh, um, pregnancy pictures. <laughs> okay, there we <laughs> no. go. But yeah, so you started out. I mean, I think you looked then roughly like you do now to me. Right? Is that, does yeah, that seem right? I would say so. I, yeah, I was. I think I was a little bit more muscular then. I would say um, I was in really great running shape, and um, we had run marathons sort of close to that, right? Yeah, we had run right before I got pregnant with Holden. We had run two marathons in that year, right before I got pregnant. So, well, the fall before and then after. So, yeah, so I was feeling great. Um, but then that kind of stopped with pregnancy, I would say, you know. Right. And we've had, we had another one three years later. The process, of course, began <laughs> a year before that. So, uh, it's yeah, so it had been for you, I mean, close to five years, right, of feeling yeah, that you weren't Yeah, just not feeling best. like myself. I really wanted to feel like I was... Um, in a better place um, physically and you know I wanted to be running better I was dealing with injuries and all different things so I just wasn't feeling the way I wanted to okay so I know you know time you've had little spurts of inspiration when you said I'm gonna get back in shape and a lot of times injury has happened IT band type stuff um who knows if that is related to weight or not but I think having weight off and it's not like you were overweight I mean at least not not the way that I so, or not that I would say this. No, anyway, you're right. <laughs> Tell uh, me what you really think on here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, but you felt like there was something more. And I think it's quite possible that running, you know, you're running now, you've been doing it for a while. We can't say that it's a total success yet, but you haven't gotten injured yet, fingers crossed. So likely, you know, I think weight is going to be a factor in any sort of injury. If you can, if you can weigh less without losing strength, then that's generally a good thing. Yeah, and I think a big part of it too is just, you know, I mean, I had, my focus was elsewhere for so long. So I was focused on children. I had maybe what I thought was 10 pounds to lose after pregnancy um, each time. I didn't gain a ton of weight during my pregnancies, but at the same time, I just was, I kind of lost sight of my goals a little bit in order to do what I think I still believe is what I needed to do, is just be there for my family. So I right. didn't quite have the balance I was hoping for. Sure, which is which is totally, I think, understandable. Uh, I mean, I know how hard it is to have two kids. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, you can't, yeah, like, I, like I said with Doug the other day, uh, I don't know if this podcast, I think this podcast actually is not yet aired, so you'll hear that one soon. Um, I try to avoid showers whenever possible because I hate to spend that 20 minutes that it takes to do that. Like, it's just hard to find that or like to pick something up off the floor in your room. I feel like it, we just we just accumulate messes more. I mean, just it's just hard 
having kids. They just, it just, it's a weird phase where everything else takes a backseat to kid stuff, uh, which is great, but at the same time, changes your life around a lot, of course. So as anyone who has kids knows. Um, but we should, we should point out that we tried, I'm not gonna say, not that we tried like to get you to lose weight. It wasn't that. It was, it was, <laughs> let's try this eat to live diet from Dr. Furman, right? Cause we were, I, I guess we had read some of his books. This was, 2013 the end of 2013 it was a few months after i had our second child yeah so it was yeah, um probably like six months after that right yeah so we had we were getting into Furman and we said hey let's try this it, it was no oil no salt uh very little sugars i think he says no alcohol no caffeine which i was not great at for the for the three <laughs> weeks that i did it um eventually ultimately the reason i stopped doing that one because i was just losing too much weight same exact reason we we or that i stopped the fruitarian thing the next summer after that um but anyway i just want to make the point it's not to say that you you were unsuccessful during those times in losing weight like you were you both those times you you dropped some weight just from eating in this really whole manner yeah i dropped a significant amount i remember what happened at that time was i was about you know six months after having our second child and i hadn't been regularly exercising and i just hadn't i I was weighing the same as i did you know shortly after having her so i didn't really kind of lose those pregnancy pounds um very quickly so uh at that time i think i lost right around 18 pounds as well within about a month um Hmm. and at that point i had committed to doing some sort of physical exercise which was the bike i think mostly um every day for the month of december and in that time i lost right around 18 pounds Okay. I didn't even realize that it was that much before. Yeah, I had some pounds on me to, to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so did that did that weight gradually come back then? No. No. Oh, so you had that yeah. amount twice. Yeah, like I said, okay. I was weighing at that point as much. I gained around 30-ish, 35 pounds with my pregnancy. So, um, yeah, so that was half of it there, and hmm. now okay. I lost the other half. I didn't half. realize that it had gone that way. Yeah. Pretty good preparation I did for this episode. <laughs> know your uh, wife. What do you know about your wife? Let's find out. <laughs> I mean, like I said, look, we have one kid napping right now. No, both kids are napping right now, which is a very rare window because they, they don't both often take naps anymore. Uh, so, you know, I'm, pre- I'm as prepared as I could expect to be. <laughs> um, okay, but let's see. So this one, let's talk about the how and, and what uh, is specific about this plan and, and your mindset and the way you've handled it. What uh, what would you say is the? I mean, I know what this is because we've talked about it plenty. But what what is the core of your the the philosophy around food and weight loss that you have been using since the cruise that has worked so well? Well, the main focus um, was caloric density, which was um, I was inspired by a talk given by Chef AJ on the cruise, um, and it was just basically about looking at your foods in a spectrum of caloric density and figuring out what foods are. Um, you know, have less calories per pound so that you can eat more of them, not have to weigh your foods, not have to limit your foods, but eat as much healthy food as you want without having that, those extra calories added in there. So, um, the big surprise for me was when I was putting my foods on that spectrum that AJ, um, displayed for us on the cruise, it was basically that nuts were far, far, far away from, you know, where I wanted to be, um, as far as caloric density. So that was kind of, um, a red flag for me that, Hey, I was definitely taking in a few too many of those. Okay. So let's, let's back up for people who don't know what caloric density is. I mean, you sort of explained it, that it's food that I think you said takes up less room in your stomach if it's not color or if it is calorically dense. The idea here is uh, the, the usual measurement that people use is calories per pound. 
Um, so the idea is that is that a pound, I mean, in the most extreme of cases, a pound of oil has 4,000 calories, a pound of vegetables has 100 calories. But the point is that food that is very low on that caloric density scale, meaning not a lot of calories in a pound of it, that you can eat a lot of that food, you can fill up your stomach on very small amount of calories. Foods that are more calorically dense, say avocado, nuts, uh, and then oil, and, and there are several others too, uh, are not going to take up that much room in your stomach while still providing a lot of calories. So it's quite possible to overeat on those without even being all that full, right? Your stomach doesn't feel that full, but you've taken in a lot of calories, whereas it would be impossible or nearly impossible to just take in a thousand calories of raw vegetables because that would mean you're eating 10 pounds of raw vegetables and that you could never fit that in your stomach. So the idea here is that is that you sort of, your hunger uh, can kind of dictate when you should be eating because you're mainly eating the foods that take up a lot of room per a given number of calories. Is that clear enough? Yeah, absolutely. And then another, I would say, bigger point of it was I was having, you know, a, a good-sized smoothie every day, and our smoothies, you know, had nuts and seeds and, you know, fruit and vegetables in there. And so another part of that besides the caloric density was just making sure that I wasn't drinking my calories. I was choosing to chew and and eat all of my calories via whole foods instead of blending them up or juicing them, anything like that. Right. So two things going on there. So first, we, we had been thinking, and I still kind of do believe this, that nuts and seeds are, are a very healthy thing. In fact, I shouldn't say kind of. I think they're a crucial thing to health. They're one of one of few foods that is consistently linked to longevity and health in these in these studies on longevity. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, but you, you know, so we hadn't really thought about it from a weight loss perspective and, and a, how many calories are in these nuts perspective. Like even if they're healthy, maybe they're not useful for weight loss. So our first thing on the cruise was, okay, we're going to cut those out of your smoothie at least so that we can just eliminate those calories. You're not going to feel much less full from the smoothie, but you'll have this way fewer amount of calories. But then Chef AJ and her talk talked about if you, first of all, if you blend something into a smoothie and then going even further, if you were just to juice that, um, how the how the room that it takes up in your stomach gets gradually reduced and pretty drastically reduced. I think her example was like six apples or a pound of apples uh, in a jar and showed how big that is and how much room that takes up. And how unrealistic it is for someone to sit down and eat right. six how apples at one be. time. But then blended it into something like a smoothie and it looked like a smoothie that you could reasonably drink. I mean, maybe a big one, but, but you could do it. And then finally took it into juice form, which of course you're losing some of the calories when you juice it uh, as opposed to smoothie, which is the whole thing just liquefied. And the fiber. Right. So, so you're losing that when you juice, but most of the calories are still there in, in the juice and the juice takes up almost no room. So it would be very easy drinking juice to, to keep taking in lots and lots of calories. Uh, we didn't do that much juice anyway, so that wasn't the problem. But smoothies was something to think about from a weight loss perspective. So um, you did that. Let's talk a little – I mean I've, I've put in my – recent post about oils it's called no meat Ath- or it was at no meat slash oil um i wrote a little bit of kind of a summarized version of the caloric density chart that chef aj presented uh but just for those who haven't seen that let's talk can you just talk about that that spectrum a little bit um kind of from the starting from the left and moving to the right and chef aj actually draws a line and says you eat to the left of this red line and that that red line we can talk about where that appears yeah i would say um you know the foods that you want to have predominantly of in this plan that I've been doing is I've been having um, non-starchy vegetables, uh, and 
that's at the far left of her chart. So that is really where you're starting out with the lowest calories per pound. And then next comes fruit. And then you have potatoes, whole grains, legumes, unrefined, complex carbohydrates. Um, that's basically what I've been eating. All of the foods that fit into those categories. And then beyond that, you get into foods that are more calorically dense. So you're having avocados, um, breads, cheeses, chocolates, nuts, seeds, butter, tahini, and then you're going into all oils at the far right of the spectrum. Yeah. So, so the line is drawn just left of 750 calories per pound. So everything less calorically dense than avocado is kind of what's on the menu under Chef AG's plan. And we should mention that you did you joined her specific weight loss program that she that she talked about on the cruise. Uh, what is it called? Ultimate weight loss? Is that what it is? Yeah. Absolutely. And do, any idea where people can find that? Do you happen to know the URL offhand or just Google Chef AJ Ultimate Weight Loss? Yeah. So I found it through Healthy Girls Kitchen, um, who Wendy writes a blog, Healthy Girls Kitchen. And so I found it through there. And then, so I'm sure if you Google either of those, you'd probably be able to find it. Yeah. So, and I think we should, first of all, in fairness to Chef AJ, give that a lot of credit. I mean, the, the program has been great. The information was useful and and the community that that you join this thing with all these other people who have the same goal as you and the the kind of accountability stuff that's built in with there you started measure they're tracking your food uploading it to a certain site pictures of it um, all that stuff was really useful but i think in fairness also to other people the caloric density is is a lot of people's con like it's it's chef aj's big thing for sure but um esselstyn for example is is all about lower fat certainly no oils he even says no nuts at all and he's not talking about weight loss he's talking about general heart health uh, so he's he's no just I don't think he's big into avocado either. So not not a lot of fat because the common denominator here often is that uh, aside from processed things like sugars and and processed refined carbohydrates, generally the fat is more calorically dense, right? In a, in a gram of fat, there's nine calories versus carbohydrate and protein. There's four calories, roughly. So that's sort of the the common thing that is in the calorically dense foods. Yeah, because I think like so, Dr. Esselstyn. He's a big proponent, I'm pretty sure, and don't quote me exactly, but that he even wants people, especially his um, patients, his heart patients, to have around six servings of those green leafy vegetables a day. So, you know, and compared to what I've been doing with Chef AJ, I definitely have not been having six servings of green leafy vegetables every day, but, you know, it, it varies. And, and Chef AJ even says she, she didn't create the term caloric density, but, you know, she sure has found a way to really put it in a way that is really easy to understand and then to be able to put it into practice has really been great for a lot of people. And I think she said, is the book called Volumetrics? Is that right? Yeah. I think she said that was the book that kind of introduced her to this idea uh, and changed everything for her. So anyway, the point is Chef AJ's stuff was really useful here, um, but that it's also not the only way. Like if you don't want to join a weight loss thing or if that's not just not your thing or you don't have the budget for that, and there are other ways to use this caloric density concept but that's one that you particularly liked and it gave me accountability you know yeah. that's something that when you set a goal you know you i i look to find a way to be held accountable to really stick with my goal um and and having that community and it just helped guide me along helped me with recipes for um oil-free eating and it really um just kind of gave me the tools i needed to be successful okay so let's get into a little bit more of the specifics. I mean, that's sort of the framework that you've been operating under. Um, can you tell people kind of what you have been eating on a typical day? Because I'm not going to lie, like this, it's to me looks sort of 
extreme like it's just it's extreme first of all that you've that you've stuck with it the way you have you haven't really varied from it at all or deviated as i think i tend to maybe a little bit too quickly move things towards what i consider like the sustainable lifestyle approach where like you know even though we're not eating oil at home um i still have it when, when i go out you on the other hand don't at all because you're trying you had this weight loss period and i thought that was just going to be for the 21 day period that you were doing this thing with chef aj but you've kind of extended that saying until it's until you reach where you want. So anyway, just explain to people what exactly, like what does a typical day look like for you? And those days really have looked all very similar. I mean, you vary the foods in and out to certain within the given types, but your, your diet has sort of had the same structure. Yeah. I would say, you know, before this all started, I would wake up assuming I was hungry and eat when the kids ate for breakfast. And I would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and kind of have my meals, you know, when typical American diet, you know, you would think you would eat. Um, and then I would snack throughout the day and, and whatnot. So, um, still healthy foods, you know, I wasn't really, you know, binging on, you know, unhealthy foods, but at the same time, I just wasn't really, um, eating when I was hungry. So now what happens is I wake up in the morning and pretty much the first thing I do is I, um, roast cauliflower or other vegetables. A lot of times I'll, or saute some kale, Brussels sprouts, Um, sprouts. I'll roast Brussels sprouts, um, onions, mushrooms, all different things. I'll roast at least a pound of vegetables in the morning and then just let it sit until I get hungry. Um, Oftentimes, I don't get hungry until at least 10 or 11 o'clock. Sometimes it's been as late as 1 o'clock. That'll be the first time that I say, okay, my my belly is telling me I'm actually hungry and it's now time to eat. So then I'll eat that pound of vegetables and then beyond that, then I can start incorporating some of the other foods that are, you know, still on the side of the red line that, you know, Chef AJ directs us in. But then I'll incorporate fruits and more um, starchy vegetables like potatoes and things like that. So um, usually I'll have that breakfast-ish meal around like lunchtime. And first um, of all, was that, that was a weird thing for you even to get past, right? Vegetables oh, yeah. For breakfast? Oh, yeah. Matt, I remember you were telling me at one point, I I just would open the refrigerator and I had foods that I could cook or make. And I was just like, oh, I just don't want to eat anything. And it probably took about two or three weeks to really kind of get in a groove with things and actually start liking what I was having for breakfast. But the idea of having vegetables for breakfast is so foreign to us here in America, you know, that typically we have, you know, dessert for breakfast, some sort of sugary or sweet thing. But, you know, to have vegetables, it seemed crazy. So um, I basically, Matt would say, Aaron, just have a salad if you don't want to cook anything. And that sounded even like far worse to me to have a salad for breakfast. It was just not going to happen. Because salad also means salad without a typical dressing and a lot of the really good salad dressings at least the way that we were used to eating have oil in it so that was that was often or even like we've made a lot of oil free dressings for the since way before we gave up oil but they're often based on some sort of fat like tahini is in there often uh so that stuff was off limits so dressing would be basically some sort of blended up fruits or maybe some vinegar and mustard combination right yeah, I would say often it was vinegar and salt-free mustard Which is why situation. it didn't seem that appealing. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really. But um, but it was interesting because then after, you know, three weeks or so, at one point I was eating, like, spinach right out of a bag without dressing on it. And I was like, hey, this actually tastes good. So, you know, it definitely changed over time. Um, but getting back to kind of what my day looks like, I would have those vegetables and then... Typically, my lunch is a big salad. Um, my mom came to visit and saw what size salad I was eating, and she couldn't believe it. She was like, that's crazy. Is that, like, for the rest of the day? But, um, 
So a huge salad, and that would have tons of chopped up vegetables on it, and then um, a veggie burger or something like that on there, which would incorporate still some beans and some rice, um, brown rice typically, um, you know, in the veggie burger. So have that, and then maybe a snack in the afternoon, and then have a dinner, which would often be, you know, like some sort of a chili, or um, it could be a baked potato with vegetables on it, um, and a little bit of salsa, pico de gallo, or something like that. So really simple. And what was interesting was I was tracking my foods in the beginning of this just to also help with that accountability. And I would find that in a day, I would probably maybe eat, you know, between four to six times and, you know, um, small meals, you know, some, a few bigger ones, but I just wasn't eating all that often if I really waited until I was hungry to eat each time. Yeah. And I, I like that about the diet, just that it's, that it's about, there aren't really rules and things to follow. There's no numbers that you're counting. It's just listening to your hunger signals, but eating in a way that encourages that, right? Because you don't have the, the high caloric density foods in there. So your hunger signals are going to be more often telling you things that, that do favor weight loss because you're not, you're not kind of tricking your stomach by putting in stuff that is really high in calories but doesn't take up much room. Uh, and it really encourages you to kind of get in touch with hunger signals and, and really listen and because the breakfast that you were trying to eat each day wasn't the most exciting thing first thing in the morning, it prevented you from wanting that or wanting wanting to eat right away, right? It made you say, I think it was Chef AJ or someone, I think someone else said it too, that if you're not hungry for vegetables, then you're really not that hungry, right? Oh, absolutely. She says that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just like that, that there wasn't really any sort of, um, I mean, I, I guess you had to, had to do cert- certainly a lot of self-control, a lot of discipline, but there wasn't any sort of, I don't know, deprivation as far as like how much food you could eat. You could always eat if you want. If you were hungry, you could eat. There wasn't like you've hit your caloric limit for the day and now you're you're done. No, definitely not. But but just like encouraging you to pay attention. So I think it's really great that it, it worked out so well. Um, and I and I definitely like without eating oil, our my meals have changed too. We haven't been so much into the find a cookbook and make a big fancy recipe and have the whole family sit down to dinner. Just because, I don't know, what's a big driver for me with cooking is making food that is somewhat authentic within the parameters of vegan, of course. But like to make a chana masala dish suddenly without the oil in there, that's just not that exciting to me anymore. So our food got really simplified. Uh, it You know, a, a chili is a perfect example. There, there would be some tomatoes, some beans, maybe some sort of rice, uh, combine them, or the potato with salsa on it with some beans or some greens on the side, started with a salad just really, really simplified into whole ingredients and kind of made me, me rethink what a meal could be. Because to me before, a, a potato with salsa and some beans on the side wasn't a meal. It just wasn't it wasn't a complete integrated thing. It was just a bunch of random whole foods together. But it turned out to work really well. I, I like that that's now an option. So we still can cook meals. We'll just re- remove the oil or start with a, something like an Engine 2 recipe or something that doesn't have the oil. And that's, that's another one. Engine 2, rips, Rip Esselstyn is Dr. Esselstyn's stun. Um, he's also been promoting with Engine 2 and his book, My Beef with Meat, uh, and oil-free. And I think they're pretty even low in nuts. They don't use tahini and stuff like that in their dressing very much or in their hummus or things like that. So we'd cook out of there or we'd just adapt another recipe uh, by removing the oil. And we do that now and then, but I think it seems that more often we, we kind of, at least in the early days, just threw together meals based on like we have these certain whole vegetables. We have some kale, mushrooms, and onions. Let's saute that and put some beans and we have a meal there. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it, just kind of simplifying our food in that way. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, it it 
made it so that it was possible for me to stick to the diet or, or I don't even know if you would call it a diet. It's sort of, you know, a change in my eating plan. I don't know, yeah. but it just made it so much more feasible because if it wasn't simple, then I could have deviated off of it and, you know, gone into doing what's simple, you know, what seems simple before. So grabbing some pasta and putting sauce on it or something like that and making it for the kids and making sure I added still, you know, broccoli or something like that with it. But um, I find now I will spiralize zucchini and put the pasta sauce over that and it tastes wonderful to me. So I've right. really um, been able to kind of, I don't know, change my palate throughout this, which has been great. Yeah. And I, people, people have probably heard, heard you say pasta and wonder why pasta is not on here. The reason is because flours are off limits. So pasta is made from, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, I guess, whole wheat on this type of diet. Cause that's a, that's an unrefined carbohydrate. Right. But once it's ground into a flour, then it's kind of like making a smoothie out of it. You're, you're making it not take up as much room anymore. So pasta, traditional pasta, of course, was off limits, but we got the spiralizer that worked really well. Uh, also got an instant pot, which is a pressure cooker, which we're still kind of learning, but that has worked pretty well. And since we've kind of started to figure it out, I completely overcooked my cauliflower this morning in it, <laughs> right. but we've it overcooked was a lot right. of things in it. But that's probably our fault, not the not the devices. User error for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so exercise. Uh, people might be wondering why we haven't really brought that up yet. Uh, I mean, I mentioned that you've been doing some of it running again. I've kind of been saying for a while. Mostly from uh, the influence of Ray Cronice, who you know I have long phone conversations with mm -hmm. now and then, um, just to to kind of come to believe that exercise doesn't play nearly as big a role in in weight loss, or on the on the flip side, in our obesity issues as diet does. Like true, we're probably a little bit more sedentary than our ancestors were, but I've seen some interesting studies that that kind of show that it's really not that much. Like it's not like we're expending that many fewer calories per day. Than, than our ancestors did, even those who would walk four or five or six miles per day, which was sort of a typical thing. Uh, I think it's not that uncommon for us in regular busy lives to walk that far. And if you put a little bit of exercise in there, then you get that amount of steps or mileage in. Uh, so, But what's so different is the way we eat, of course. And even the way that, that you're eating now in a very clean way is still very, very different from uh, what what our you know prehistoric ancestors ate. Um but it's not that exercise has been totally neglected, right? It certainly can help you, uh, particularly with kind of with toning up and things like that. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. What, what have you done for exercise? Yeah, well, I really, um, you know, uh, JP is, um, he works with Chef AJ in the Ultimate Weight Loss Program. And, you know, some of his talks he was talking about, if you really want to be maximizing your weight loss, he does recommend some exercises um, and doing more strength training, different things like that. So... Um, I really just kind of took it upon myself to kind of kick my butt in gear and, and get into doing more variety, which is something that they recommended. And, and so what I've started to do, I've, I've had ongoing it band issues for a long time. So for, um, the past few months, I've only been able to run up to about two miles, but recently I've, um, been able to get past that a bit and I'm running around at the most four miles right now. Um, and then I'm also doing some more strength training, so doing more with weights. Um, I met with a personal trainer at the gym um, and started to get into just basically all-around fitness so that I can start toning up my body again and strengthen the weak areas. Um, I started doing Pilates more consistently, which was really started on the cruise. I, I absolutely loved being able to do Pilates and yoga every single day on the cruise ship. 
um, outdoors. And, you know, with doing that, um, I found I had some definite weak areas after pregnancy. So I really wanted to target that. So I've kind of mixed it up and had a lot of variety between the strength training, um, running outdoors, um, biking with the kids actually too, and um, doing the Pilates. Yeah, and you're thinking about uh, a marathon now or a half marathon? No, no, you're pushing it. You always want <laughs> me to. You're thinking about a half marathon. Yeah, I would love to do a marathon, but considering... Again, you've done three. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's just longer term. I would say within this next year, you know, my goal would be able to really do a nice half marathon, um, a nice strong half marathon, not just kind of do it to get the miles in, but be able to feel like, you know, I've got it back now and I can really kind of push through and push myself on a half marathon. So it seems to me that exercise's role here has not been uh, so much in burning calories, though it does help with that, but more it's been just part of a... Um... Helping me rock my bikini. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely that, right. I mean, that, that's part of it, because as you said, when you first lost the weight, you said, like, I feel like I've lost the weight, but I, I feel like I don't really look the way I want to look, because when you lose the weight, then there's just extra skin that's there, right? Yeah, I just feel like things just aren't as firm as I'd like them to yeah, be. I mean, and having two babies, so that certainly there's there's an excuse for that. Um, but yeah, so I think it's sort of, and it's played a role in, it's been sort of, once you lost the weight, you were kind of really inspired to, um, and also alongside it, but it seems to me that the exercise has really ramped up recently. Once you kind of got your old body back, it was like, hey, now I can do all these things again and feel great, and, and it just kind of all works together, uh, kind of a spiral of success idea and just one thing works off another and, and then you kind of get better and better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you get the endorphins going, you feel good. And, and part of the exercise has been when I'm starting to crave, you know, just snacking or feeling hung or thinking I'm feeling hungry, but I'm really not. And just wanting to eat something just to eat. I, if I get out the door and do a run, I come back and that's over. You know, I get, I get past that and I didn't really need to eat at that time. So it just kind of helped me with, you know, kind of my analysis of, you know, the, how my brain is working with my stomach and, and everything that's going on in my body to be able to get past those times where, you know, either socially or emotionally, I might just want to eat something um, when I wasn't really hungry. Speaking of exercise, now's a good time to mention that this episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Kalo. The Kalo silicone wedding ring is the functional wedding ring for the active lifestyle. Made from hypoallergenic medical-grade silicone, Kalo rings are safe, durable, and comfortable enough for all of life's greatest adventures, in the gym, on the trail, at the job, and everywhere else. Kalo's brand new athletics collection rings are stamped with a kettlebell icon to symbolize our passion to keep pushing ourselves harder to be the best we can be in every area of our lives. Kalo rings start at only $15.99, so go to Kalo.com, that's Q-A-L-O.com, Q-A-L-O.com, and use the purchase promo code NOMEAT, all one word, at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Kalo, we do. And we do do that because you are currently wearing your orange Kalo right now because you went to the gym just a few minutes ago. I sure am. I really actually enjoyed now, especially start, starting weightlifting again, being able to have, you know, that soft ring on my finger. Um, and that way everybody knows that this hot body is taken. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, let's let's wrap up here just with a few more last things about uh, what's what's made you successful. I mentioned before that, that you haven't deviated at all. You've really stuck to it. Um, certainly people, this is not the only way to lose weight. There are plenty of diets that people have had success with in the past before. Some of them just in the short term, some of them in a more lasting way. 
so while the while having the right strategy is crucial, I feel like the right strategy isn't that much in short supply. There are lots of right strategies that work. Um, but a lot of people who try those, they'll, they'll commit to one, or at least they'll try to commit to one. They'll think they're committing to one, but then just, it, it goes wrong. Either it doesn't work at first and they lose motivation or they just don't have what something in them that I noticed that you have. And that's, that's this ability to say like, okay, this, this part is tough, but I'm willing to just stick through that or this isn't working. So I'm going to change that. Um, but I'm just wondering from your perspective, what do you think is the secret? Like, what is the thing that has made this actually work? I'm stubborn partially, you know, that's a big one. You know, I, I set a goal for myself and I, I, I just, I'm stubborn. I, I kind of, you know, just am going to do it no matter what. And it helped that it had a time limit. So, you know, 21 days that. I was, I was going to try it for, um, you know, I think that made a a big difference for me to have a limit and be stubborn enough to stick with it and say, I'm going to just show you and and prove that, you know, I'm going to do this and, Mm -hmm. and really do it. And a big part of it was that it was just, it was, it was manageable. It was easy once I set myself up for success, you know, and had everything around me, my environment set up for it. That really, I would say made a big difference for me. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot recently on No Meat Athlete and even on the podcast. Uh, the the quote, of course, is the irony of commitment is that it's deeply liberating. And it's that once you set these guidelines and say, I am sticking to these and I'm not going to break them. Uh, once, once you've made that decision one time, then it's like the conversation stops and the argument of whether I'm going to do this today or not do this today, that sort of stops. And I think you said that sort of thing happened with chocolate, right? That you would, you it, like in the yeah. past, it would be something you would try and then think it was just like a sustainable way to do things okay i'll have a piece of chocolate it's it could be even healthy it's not going to hurt one piece but then it, it kind of begins a slide to having it more and more yeah because it just tastes so good that it's like right. you know it's one of those things where you just i mean you we might go out and you would get one truffle and i might get two you know and i was never like really overeating that but at the same time i would definitely enjoy indulging in that but then as time went on with this program and I, my taste buds changed I don't want it anymore. You know, I'm very satisfied with, you know, what I'm eating and how, and a big part of it is how my body feels. And if your body feels great and you're feeling, you know, strong and healthy, then, you know, that in and of itself, if you just, it, for me, if I remind myself that, you know, I feel great after I do this, then I don't want to deviate from that because I'm really enjoying feeling great right now. It's good for my mind. It's good for my body and everything. So. Yeah, so I think a lot of people can probably relate to the feeling of being stubborn, maybe not in their everyday lives. Uh, certainly, I know that you are that in your everyday life. <laughs> but you still love me. <laughs> I sure do. In many ways, it's good. Uh, in other ways, it's not so good. But that's that's for another episode. Oh, no. <laughs> that's for Doug in my episode where we complain about our wives all the time. Um, no, but what I'm wondering is, like, I think everyone gets gets to that place sometimes where they commit to something it is working, the right combination of factors happens and they experience initial success and they stick with it. Um, but the, the question is, how do you how do you make that happen? How do you engineer that to happen? Or how do you just in, increase the number of times that you succeed when you set out to do something new? Uh, what do you think is the difference this time versus, it's not that you've tried a lot of times and failed really at weight loss, but I think there have been times when you've said, 
um, I'm going to start eating healthier just or start eating in a lower calorie way. Not that we were ever doing it unhealthily, uh, but it would just sort of fizzle out because it never really got much momentum. And it wasn't like you committed to a plan. Uh, it just, it just like a, a broad sort of vague attempt to eat healthier would, would kind of fail. Like, what do you think this time made you say, I'm committing to this and I'm going to stick with it? I think a lot of it came from, um, being on the cruise, taking time for myself where I could kind of have a week to only have to think about myself and really think about, you know, what I wanted, um, what my goals were and kind of how I felt right then and there. And I was inspired. There were just so many people around you that, you know, were just had so much great information that being around that you couldn't help be a sponge and absorb all of that and all that great feeling. And I think that that really helped. It gave me kind of that reboot to put my mind and my body in a different place and then be able to commit to something because I, I just stopped and thought, what do I want? You know, what, what's in the next year, you know, we talk a lot about this. What are our goals? And for me, I just wanted to feel great. I just wanted to be there. And, um, I think also for me, it's been having, you know, our kids be a little bit older now. It, it was a little bit easier for me to be able to kind of, you know, be exercising, be doing things, um, because I, I had more time in a way too. Yeah. I mean, the cruise, we, neither of us expected it to be that for us. We were looking forward to the vacation. And just the chance to go to these islands and, I mean, cruises are fun. So, like, it was a cruise that we got to go on. Um, but it really did, it changed a lot. I mean, and, and I think it changed you more than it did me. And then in turn, seeing what you have done has kind of inspired me to really get the marathon training serious and my diet tops. Like I've been eating very high raw recently, not not quite fruitarian at all. Um, it, in fact, it's wrong for me to even call it that because it's not even in the same realm. Like, it's still not that uncommon that I'll for lunch, a, a cooked meal, but much, much closer than that, much closer to that than the way I was eating before. Uh, so I think the cruise really had a big impact on you. And in turn, you've had that impact on me, Yay. but the cruise certainly <laughs> was, uh, was a nice jump start for me too. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do quite as much of the yogas and things like that, but just being around the, the going to the talks, uh, and then eating that way, like going into the we didn't choose the oil-free menu because there there's they do an oil-free menu. They even have an omnivore menu. Like there's half of the ship is still uh, not not people who are on the vegan cruise. So you could choose from a variety of menus. We did not choose the oil-free one, uh, but it ended up that probably, I don't know, half of the dishes, the entrees and salads and desserts were oil-free. And uh, for me, it was just like a really, I don't know, I had had this hang-up before that if we don't saute the onions and garlic in oil, then the food's not going to come out very good. It's not going to have that depth of flavor that we're used to. Uh, I just didn't want to stop eating oil. I was kind of into cooking still, and I still am, but just didn't want to lose that. But actually tasting the dinners and eating it, it just kind of, I don't know. It just like it was like, wow, this is really good pinto bean soup or whatever we were having. And they had all the ingredients listed, so we said, wow, we could just make that at home. So it was after that that we said, let's actually give this a try. And uh, it's worked really well so far. Like I said, I haven't lost weight, which is amazing to me. I don't really know... Why not? I'm not sure where I'm getting those calories or where I'm burning fewer calories. Uh, I suspect it has to do with, I mean, I don't want to get into it now, but <laughs> I've learned a lot about when you when you eat food, it changes the way your body burns calories and the number of calories that your body burns. Your metabolic rate changes 
in the four to six hours after a, after a meal. Uh, that's a very well-established thing, but not a lot of people know that. So I suspect that maybe something about that has changed. But anyway, that also is for an entirely another episode, maybe with Ray again one day. Um, let's see. Last last thing here. I mean, I wanted to point out to a couple people that you – I don't want people to say, well, it sounds like she's been perfect at this and I can't be perfect. There are a few – I mean, you now and then very rarely have done things that weren't quite on the plan, right? Like had a, had a beer now and then. Yeah, even I think during those 21 days, maybe in the very beginning of it, maybe that first week or so, um, or as I was gearing up to it, I can't remember exactly when it was, but, you know, I might try like a sip of wine or something, but then it was funny. I just kind of... Wait a minute. Hold on. What about... I think there's been more than a sip No. Of in the beginning of it, there definitely <laughs> wasn't. Okay. No. But, then, but since then you've had... It, but oh. since the program ended, yes, I've had, you know... I mean, on the, if I stuck with the program exactly the way it was now, I wouldn't be drinking any alcohol whatsoever. Um, I don't really believe I have, you know, any issues with um, food addiction as much. Um, so I think it's okay for me to, you know, have some wine um, or beer, you know, every once in a while. I'm definitely far less than I have been. I mean, I think in fairness to you, I think I can count on one hand the number of times you've done that had a beer or a glass of wine in 10 weeks now so it's not not very often and it's not like i'm making a really um strong effort to not indulge in that but i'm just really still focused very much on how my body feels and what i put in my body and how then that makes me feel so i'll be talking to you and say you know that I might not want to have a drink or something. Um, and you'll kind of say, oh, come on, the 21 days is over now, you know, peer pressure. And, and try to peer pressure me. But mm-hmm. I don't know, it just comes back to if you do what makes your body feel good, you, you make your right choices then. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I think uh, that's part of that whole spiral of success thing is that when you, you do start eating a little bit better, suddenly when you eat the junk food, whatever it may be for your particular way you're trying to eat, uh, you feel it. Like I've noticed that I feel when I eat oil, when I go out and have a big oily meal, I feel it. So I, I think it's pretty much obvious that it's the same. If you're not drinking for a while uh, and then you have a beer or a glass of wine, I mean, you can actually feel the way that it changes you. And uh, I think I think it's just it's a really good thing to be, to be mindful. And I would argue that mind, mindfulness of your food habits has been a really crucial part of this program. And it's one that most people probably don't think about when they start a diet. It's more like, what are the rules to follow? What are the mechanics? What's the strategy? Uh, some of the willpower type stuff, but not a lot of how can I just be more observant about what my body's telling me and more mindful about like, am I actually hungry when I'm eating this? Am I actually hungry for this particular thing? Or would I be okay if I was eating something else or not eating at all? Uh, I think it's been a huge part of, of what you've done, right? Yeah. And it's been a challenge, you know, after the, the initial phase was over and I've kind of transitioned into what works for me right now. Um, you know, we had family visiting a lot in the month of May and family came and you know everyone's mealtime is a little bit different people would be eating there would be smells of food different things going on different triggers you know um, happening in my environment and I I noticed myself just eating because everyone else was eating or um, you know just wanting to snack for no reason and, and kind of losing sight of, of whether or not I was hungry and that mindfulness so um, I had to that it took two days initially and for me to kind of transition back. And it's not like I was eating anything bad. I was still eating foods that were compliant, you know, and, and healthy, but I just was overeating them and it it wasn't making me feel great. So I had to stop and kind of, you know, get myself back on track and figure out, you know, what worked for me and, and get back on my plan. So, and then once I did that, I felt great. 
Last thing I think to say about it is that we didn't really mention salt, but you also gave up salt as part of this. Or, or and sugar. And sugar. Well, sugar is a calorically dense. Well, right. Right. But the salt isn't really doesn't have any calories, so that's not a big issue. But it, uh, it I guess it does mess with hunger signals and and makes food taste better than maybe it should, uh, just in the same way that oil does. So I don't I don't want people to think that like. You know, I, I would argue that that wasn't essential to losing weight, that you could have still had salt and probably lost the weight, but it would have made it harder for you to resist having the foods and just potentially got you to slide back, like like having that one piece of chocolate we mentioned. Yeah, or just do. overeating, you know, the foods that right. are still healthy. Yeah, and that's that's a really important issue around diet. Uh, in Forks Over Knives, there's a there's a section, I think his name is Dr. Lyle, is that right? Uh, Doug Lyle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, about The Pleasure Trap. His book called The Pleasure Trap, which I haven't read. I'd really like to read that one. Uh, but in that little short segment, it's just about the way that, that our brains are wired to want salt and fat, particularly, and sugar. These things that, that kind of were sort of, they're good for our bodies, for sure. We need them. Um, somewhat scarce in certain environments. So we were wired to seek those out. Because nowadays with food technology and the way we can process foods, we can take those and make oil, which is pure fat, um, or have an excess of salt, which is which is in many cases, very easy to overdo and get way more than you need. Um, obviously, with sugar, it's very easy to refine sugar and, and get a huge dose of that. So you can kind of get way more of that than you're sort of supposed to get, more than exists in nature. Uh, at least that's the way that thinking goes. So anyway, I just thought I would hit on that uh, one more point. And by kind of short-circuiting that that feedback loop where you would, you would want that and then crave it and then get it and then in turn start to crave it more because of that, um, that's also been a, a really big fundamental part kind of underlying a lot of the reason this has worked so on that um i think we will end it it's been a 50 minute episode which is pretty long for us uh i don't have too much to say aaron thank you for uh for your time oh you're welcome Hope our kids are alive upstairs i know right i haven't heard anything <laughs> so cross your fingers <laughs> yeah um if anyone is interested in links they will be on the the page here we've i'll link to some of chef aj's stuff um the cruise. If you're interested in the cruise, by the way, you can just Google "holistic holiday at sea, no meat athlete," and you'll see how you can uh, how you can go and mention no meat athlete to get a credit on board if it's your first time. But anyway, uh, I think it's at a taste of health. Uh, taste of health dot org is their their main website. Um, so there's that. There's Chef AJ stuff. I'll pull out a few other things we've mentioned and get that on there, uh, as well as the link to Kalo stuff. So that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everyone for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time.